Um, Jed and I have been talking about how best to uh, how best to present this conversation today, and I'll be honest, it was a really big struggle. Um, I, I talked with quite a few of my uh, uh, friends who I consider to be fantastic straight allies, as well as folks in the LGBT community, and spoke with them about it. And as one of my friends said, please, God, not another talk from a straight guy that says it's okay to be gay. So <laughs> you, uh, you, won't be, you won't be getting that today. Um, I wanted to, and Jed and I wanted to convey to you some of the, um, some of the emotion and some of the poignancy that we feel around this, uh, around this topic. Um, and the way that we wanted to do this is by writing two letters. Um, I decided to write a, a letter to my daughter who will be three this Saturday. You see her up here. Um, and Jed has written a letter to his 20 years ago self, right? So the, way, the best way to think about this is two letters, one reaching back into the past with the, with the added knowledge of, of the right now, um, and the other uh, hoping and looking forward to a, a more inclusive future date. Um, we've talked about this being a, a circle of trust. Um, I cried like a baby when I wrote this, and there's a, there's a strong chance I'll cry like a baby as I read it, so uh, I'll trust that we'll all keep that on the down low, right? <clears throat> so I want to start now with my letter. <clears throat> Dear Charlotte, we've recently returned from the emergency room, and our brush with human frailty has left me feeling very poignant. Uh, actually... I have a pretty strong awareness that I'm not always going to be around that, that stays with me. Um, I, blame, I blame your Lola for this, she having named me after her father who, who passed away um, on, on my birthday. Turns out your dad worries a lot about dying, sweetie, and it turns out your dad's a, a little bit crazy in general. Um, as of the time of the reading of this letter, you're probably a little nuts too, and I apologize for that, but I'll tell you a little bit later about why that may not be a bad thing. Sweetheart, I hope to live a long life, a life filled with our daddy-daughter donut dates, a life filled with coaching your softball team and having stern, awkward conversations with your prom dates. I hope that we have a long time together, but I know that a long time's not guaranteed, and if something should happen, I wanted to take this opportunity while I am in this poignant frame of mind to share with you some truths that I've learned in 32 years of living about what it means to be a citizen of the world and what it means to be good to your fellow travelers. I'm in no position of great intellect or insight in these things, but I hope that uh, the emotion with which I'm able to convey them and the love with which they're delivered will drive home whatever uh, intellectual shortcomings I may have. It's my hope that as you read this letter that the world's a better place, a more inclusive place, a more respectful place. I hope that the world's much better and that the future's brighter, not in some sort of robot maids and flying cars way, but just that we've learned to treat each other with more respect and that we're a little more humble about what we think we know. We have a tendency as, as human beings to romanticize the good old days, to talk about how things used to be, and to look at the past through rose-colored glasses. In fact, as of the time of you reading this, I'm probably doing a lot of that, so I apologize for all the tales of my former glory. 
The fact is, despite all the talk right now about the moral foundations of our society crumbling and all that's wrong, there's a lot that's right. Divorce rates are down, drug use and teen pregnancy are at all-time lows, and a lot of wonderful things are happening in the world. Among them are that historically disadvantaged groups are enjoying greater freedoms and greater respect than at any point in, in history. This year, a black man and a Mormon are vying for the presidency. One man represents a group that has been mistreated at every turn, from the enslavement that brought them to this country, to the, racial, uh, the racist laws of your home state and the civil rights atrocities perpetrated there, to the more latent but still pervasive discrimination that occurs in the workplace. The other man represents the faith of your fathers, an, a religion born on American soil and the only religion ever to have an extermination order issued against it. As recently as 1976, it was legal to kill a Mormon in Missouri, which, sweetie, I hope will not keep you from rooting for the Cardinals like your daddy does. <clears throat> Go Cards, right? In the lifetime of your grandparents, neither one of these men would have stood a chance at holding such an important role in our national government. But now they have the privilege of screaming at and defaming each other just like anybody else. <clears throat> it occurs to me that the idea that there should be a racial or religious test will seem absurd to you by the time that you're reading this, and I hope that that's the case. If it is the case, it will illustrate the words of a, of a famous civil rights leader who said that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And while Dr. King's words have proven true over the years, they have not proven true without the sacrifice of hardworking people who have put others first. And I hope that you will be one of those people. So enough with the lengthy preamble, Charlotte. I want to get into the things that to share with you that I hope you'll take with you. The first thing that I want you to remember, sweetie, is to embrace uncertainty. Charlotte, you've always been a bright child. You talked... You talked early, you walked early, and you've always had a unique gift for lighting up a room. You're very, very smart. But notwithstanding all of these great smarts, you're still prone to some pretty significant errors in thinking, just like all of us are. You want things to be more certain than they are, and you want things to be more simple than they are. Every day of your life, you'll be presented with millions of decisions. What to wear, what to eat, with whom to associate, as well as decisions that are much more impactful about how, your take your how you will spend your life and the kind of person that you will become. In the face of this myriad of decisions, it's easy to see why you might want to reduce things down or try and simplify or stereotype things. And I promise you that in your lifetime, you will believe things with all your heart to be true that you will find out later were oversimplified. At various points in history, the prevailing scientific doctrines have said that the earth was the center of the universe, that personality could be measured by touching bumps on the head, and especially that women's sexual organs would atrophy if they received too much post-secondary education. <clears throat> it's certainly easy to laugh at these things now. It's easy to laugh at the arcane beliefs of the people who went before us, but it's much harder to look at the beliefs that we hold dear and scrutinize those and think about what we believe in so fervently that may be backwards or untoward or that may discriminate against uh, another. What I'm advocating here is not cynicism. 
It's not pessimism or moral relativity. Instead, I'd encourage you to be circumspect about what you think you know, realizing the limits of reason and embracing the fact that uncertainty is sometimes all we have. You're never going to figure it out. You are never going to get it. But the good news is, not totally getting it is what makes life so fun and what makes it worth getting up in the morning. <clears throat> Much of the injustice that is perpetrated in the world is doled out by groups so certain of their own correctness that they feel justified in harming others. Throughout human history, so-called faith has been used as a stick to hit non-believers. The beauty of faith, truly understood, my girl, is holding reason and doubt in equal measure simultaneously. <clears throat> By holding these two seemingly conflicting emotions at once, you are able to hope for grace even as you continue to search. Punitive people are insecure. They mistrust their own conclusions, but not being able to humbly express doubt, they punish others who question. Real faith knows that, knows that doubt sows the seeds of further exploration, even as belief holds out the promise of things hoped for but not seen. <clears throat> My next wish for you, Charlotte, is that you surround yourself with diversity. The current conversation uh, around diversity and the broader public often limits itself to observable differences, and I hope you'll dig a little bit deeper than that. What I wish for you is to experience true diversity, which just simply means difference. I want you to surround yourself with people, places, books, movies, and ideas that are different than what you've grown up with. Recent studies show that our country is more ideologically distant than at any time in recorded history. And I believe these divisions are a result of our tendency to make up our mind about something and then surround ourselves with like-minded individuals who won't question the way that we think. In so doing, we, we create echo chambers, echo chambers where we, do, we engage in groupthink and are not allowed to question. <clears throat> By doing this, we, we become increasingly strident and embrace ever more radical positions. But radicalization is not the only danger. It becomes easy for us to criticize and even hate and demonize groups of people with whom we've had little contact. It's easy to hate a a type of person or a group or a creed independent of context. But my girl, I think you'll find it incredibly hard when you meet and interact with the amazingly nuanced people that make up these groups. The simple fact is hate feeds on lack of exposure. In my clinical experience, I often scratch my head when a client enters, enters the room to tell me about the presenting concerns, the problems that brought them to therapy. But it's always been my experience that with enough context and enough history and enough rapport built up between us, the things that they are doing make absolute sense. As you embark on this journey of exploring differences, start with yourself. Half, half of your family is from Norway. The other half is from the Deep South. And it would be hard to imagine two cultures that are more different in terms of their political, social, and economic worldviews. Start there. We're all cultural mutts. We're all cultural mashups. And this is especially true of little Norwegian Mormon girls from Alabama. <clears throat> you will always be our little redneck Viking. <clears throat> Sometimes the cultural appendages that form the Frankenstein monster of each of us 
seem to be in opposition to one another. But as these seeming contradictions are worked through, they provide deepened understanding and increased empathy. What's more, people like you, sweetie, are in a, uh, in a position to build bridges between groups. Because you belong to and share an affinity with these different groups, you can bring these people together and begin conversations that will heal what are, in some cases, century-long divides. As you immerse yourself in this diversity of ideas, you'll find that some are better than others. Some are unethical, immoral, or just dumb. And that's okay. Don't be afraid of them. You're an intelligent woman capable of judging right from wrong and fact from fiction. What is okay is to reject certain ideas. What is not okay is to never have the conversation. You've been born into a home where you will be loved, taught, and nourished in body and mind. You're pretty. You speak English. You're white. You're the child of a doctor. All of these things are advantages that you've done nothing to earn. But yet your fluency in these roles makes you an insider in a culture that values these things. In other ways, some of which we may not fully appreciate at this time, you will be an outsider in your life. And I want to emphasize to you that these roles will shift over time and that there's value in both of them. I want you to know that the in inside has its downside and that outside has its upside or that insider status carries with it a responsibility, and that outsider status will give you the gift of being different. Being an insider, being in the majority, comes with advantages, some of them obvious, some of them less so. But it can be difficult to recognize these advantages when you haven't chosen them, like the color of your skin or who to love. <clears throat> but no matter what the source of your advantage, Charlotte, you have an, a duty to honor it. Before I became a practicing psychologist, I took something akin to the Hippocratic Oath that physicians take, which says, first, do no harm, and second, do all that is in your power to do good. It's well recognized that doctors have power that they need to wield in responsible ways. What is sometimes less recognized is that people who have unearned advantages that accrue to them have a similar responsibility. If your, youthful if your youthful personality is any indication of the woman you will become, and I hope it is, you're not someone that's prone to malice or to hurting others. Even so, people in positions of power can work unjustly against the powerless in ways that they don't fully realize. When you do become aware of ways in which you can help, I hope that you will follow the scriptural injunction to lift up the hands that hang down. I hope that you will exercise every bit of power you possess to succor those in need, because it is one of life's cruel injustices that those who most need to advocate on their own behalf are, less, are least well positioned to do so. We've already established that you're a mutt, a confusing amalgamation of beliefs and heritages from which you will choose and construct a self. And then inevitably, in the process of this self-construction, you will find yourself on the outside at times. <clears throat> I want you to be a rebel, but a real rebel, not the pedantic kind that is so much more prevalent. <clears throat> pedantic nonconformity seeks difference for its own sake, whereas meaningful outsider status comes from a deep, uncomfortable commitment to swimming upstream that's rooted in purpose and helping others. Don't be fooled by appearances, though, Charlotte. A mohawk can be every bit as conformist as a blue blazer. <clears throat> There are myriad advantages to principled outsiderdom that I hope you will enjoy, 
including a view of the world un unobstructed by vain tradition and a, and a commitment to justice that transcends cultural encapsulation. Your mother and I began our life together in a town, a small town in the uh, north shore of Hawaii, and everyone we meet tells us how lucky we were um, to have begun our married life there. I nod and accept these well wishes, not letting them know how much I hated it. <laughs> because it was in Hawaii that a white kid who had spent his life in the majority learned what it was like to be different. And even in the absence of any big significant event, the pain of just being different is real. And I hope that you will cultivate that empathy in your, on your own and treat people who are different with, with the love and respect that they deserve. Finally, little one, I want you to go through life realizing <clears throat> that everyone with whom you interact is fighting a hard battle. When your mother and I learned that she was pregnant with you, we were elated. <clears throat> you were planned for, prayed for, hoped for, and saved for. About two years after you were born, your mother was pregnant again, and we excitedly told our family that we would be expecting a little Crosby, another little Crosby. <clears throat> But at the first doctor's appointment, it revealed serious problems with the pregnancy, and we eventually lost the baby. <clears throat> Shocked and saddened, we retreated to the comfort of our home, seldom leaving over the next few months. We told almost no one of our loss and did not allow others the, the opportunity to comfort us and to be a part of our grieving. Early the next year, we lost another child, but this time we told everybody. <clears throat> In doing so, we found that many, perhaps even a majority of our friends, had, had struggled with something similar and had similarly suffered in silence. The private nature of the losses had lo led folks to be embarrassed or to not speak up, but everyone we spoke to was fighting a hard battle, just as we were. <clears throat> as we shared our own war wounds and others exposed theirs to us, we were comforted and we were allowed to heal even as we facilitated that process in others. I hope that the future holds better things for our family in that respect. I hope that you'll be a big sister soon. But if loss should ever impact our family again, I know that we have a caring support network, and I hope that you will be part of a caring support network for others as you grow older. In closing, let me say that no words I could ever communicate to you could ever have as lasting an impact on your life as your mere presence has had on mine. <clears throat> the guileless simplicity of a child's prayer and, your, and their natural acceptance of all types of people, people of all races and religions and creeds, is the only roadmap for a success that a great society has ever needed. As you grow, I'm confident that you will accomplish a great deal in whatever you set your mind to but I hope as you increase in stature and power and significance that you will not lose this guileless simplicity and this pureness of heart that you now have. <clears throat> A life that illuminates the ways in which we are all more alike than different and need each other so desperately. Wherever you are today, whoever you are today, whoever you love, whatever you are doing, whatever you have done, I love you. <clears throat>